Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. Welcome to the Game Podcast. I'm Gabriel Marcotti, and this week I'm joined by Patty Barkley, Alison Rudd, and broadcasting from the Great Northeast, Mr. George Culkin. Today we'll be discussing United's win over Manchester City, including that goal from one Wayne Rooney. And we'll also be debating an idea originally put forward by Karl Heinz Rummenigge, which I think could improve international football. No surprises about where we start this week. Um, let's start with Wayne Rooney's overhead kick, or chilena, or bicycle kick, as you may know it. Um, Patty, uh, you've seen a few. You've written about them. Mm. I, I just wanted to ask you, just from a purely, I mean, we context and everything yeah. with the winner, the Manchester Derby, yeah. that all makes it special. It was mm. Rooney. Mm. But just in terms of how difficult is it to actually do what he did? Well, obviously, it's very, very difficult if you use your shin, as <laughs> much of the day two uh, informed us last night. Um, it was it was an incredibly. The more you think about it, the more you realise how risky it was, um, because you know the option of taking a touch and with your head and popping it in was was there. The defender had fallen, uh, had slipped, um, so it was incredibly risky, uh, particularly to do in front of the city fans. But he probably didn't think about that. He probably thought it was the easiest way of popping the ball in the net. But in in technical terms, it was uh, it was. It was perfect, but I think that you you have no, to go. Only, excuse me. I know you say it was perfect, and then he and then he, he shinned it. Well, it doesn't really matter if it goes in off your shin. It's. I mean, if it goes if it goes where it went at uh, the speed and the traje- traje- trajectory, it was perfect. Um, and and who's to say? You know, he, he was bothered about whether it was the instep or the shin. I mean, Gascoigne, George will know this. Gascoigne would use you would use all sorts of parts of his body instinctively to propel the ball in the way that his instincts told him it should go I mean it, it, it was I, I think it was uh, it was it was remarkable where I don't think it was the greatest goal of all time or 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 um or even the greatest goal scored at Old Trafford by a Manchester United player this season is that it wasn't complicated. I mean, Berbatov's was a, was for me a better goal, a more artful goal, a more exciting goal. Um, it wasn't even reason. the best goal scored at Old Trafford on Saturday. I mean, this is uh, absolutely ludicrous. This debate. Uh, yeah, yeah. I thought I thought Nani's goal was fantastic. Yeah. The way Giggs controlled the ball, his pass, Nani. Oh, that that was. Sublime. Glad you mentioned that and not David Silva's goal. Yeah. the best goal. But but, but actually, I, I want to ask you about that, Alison, because I mean. You, 
you've played football. I, 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 strangely, on Saturday, I, I watched it on, on Sky, and mm-hmm. I have no idea who the co-commentator was because mm. it wasn't the... You never fam- know anymore, do you? Exactly. It wasn't the familiar Scottish voice we know and yeah. trust. Mm-hmm. Um, and he's like, who, Ro- you'll never, you know, Rooney will never score a better goal than that, and blah, uh, blah, blah. It was blah. also described as one of the great moments in sport. Yeah, exactly. Which now, is preposterous. But, but, but your argument is that Nani's goal was better. Is, is it because what Rooney did isn't that difficult to do? Well, it, it's not. Well, it, oh dear, it's it's not actually. It's not that difficult to do. The only thing you have to remember is when you decide, you have to decide you're going to do it. And I suppose to decide you're going to do it in a big match, uh, in a big arena, yeah. is uh, take some bottle. You need to be pretty confident. You need about to your be ability. cocky, and yeah. I think we can all we can all safely say Rooney is cocky when you look at the, the, the way he celebrated the goal, which made me feel slightly nauseous, to be quite honest. Mm-hmm. I mean, ridiculous. It was, yeah. uh, and but all you have to remember is <laughs> when, when you decide Jones. when you decide you're going to go for it, which I agree is is it takes some some bottle, as I say. Yeah. You have to remember to launch yourself with your non-kicking foot in the air first. First, and that requires some sort of mental dexterity to remember to do it properly. Mm-hmm. That's all, and that's all you have to do. And be aware that the ground shouldn't be concrete because you'll uh, you'll break a bone, you'll break your shoulder bone or something. If, if you've got to land on ground that's soft enough to take your fall, once those two two things are in place, yeah. it's not. It really isn't. I don't think it's as beautiful as, um, as, as Paddy said, a complex goal where a lot of teammates are involved yeah. and there's a lot of intuitive I mean, one-touch passing it's, it's, and people have, made, right. people have made yeah. runs and was, everything comes together. So it's just sorry. one whole picture of beauty. Uh, George, these people in the studio are, are clearly jaded professionals who've seen many great goals. Were you impressed? Well, it's a, it's a conflagration of great timing, great technique, um, you know, that instinctive split-second decision. I mean, I, I could decide to do something like that, but unfortunately I would break my neck if I tried it. Um, you know, and, and then I think the wider context, as you sort of said earlier, is that it's in this huge local local derby it's also a derby that's at the top of the league so i mean you know i think it was a i think it was a fantastic moment um in terms of craft and teamsmanship and build up play um i do think the nanny goal was was better but i mean it was a you know it was a wonderful finish it was a sumptuous finish um and one of the very best you'll see of that of that type i mean i think you know it has to be placed into the the context of of where and how and when it happened, and mm. it, that makes it fairly that makes it fairly special. But it is interesting that that, that, that it is interesting that the hype has been there, and that as soon as it was scored, everyone decided to say it mm-hmm. was the greatest even thing they'd Ferguson, ever seen. Ferguson joined. I, I mean, Ferguson's Ferguson seen more goals we're than all of us des- put we're together. Desperate for Rooney to be this star again. That's what yeah. it's about. Yeah. Well, stats lie and so on. This is his sixth goal of the season. Yeah, the pace he's on. This will be his worst year in terms of goals since mm-hmm. 2003-04, uh, when he was still at Everton. Mm-hmm. Um, and he's, he's not scoring, and he's not playing particularly well. Uh, at what point I mean, do we say this has just gone on too long? At what point do you maybe consider dropping Rooney instead of Berbatov, who seems to be the poor guy who, who kind of gets the shaft? Well, it's interesting because I think I think I think Ferguson firmly believes that his moment's going to come, and if he just keeps persevering with him, it'll all click into place. Because there's no evidence to to back up making him the favoured son, the favoured striker at all. I don't think. 
I mean, you know, I, mean you know, you, I don't I don't mind at all if a striker isn't getting the goals if they're no, their no. work rate and the, the way United are set up you know they need they need some focal point for all that that wonderful I mean they're a great attacking team United well, it doesn't matter and they're famous for their goals can come from anywhere so I think it's unfair to to judge a striker at United as long as he as if Rooney was getting involved and setting up the goals and he, but he doesn't he was he was a liability for most of the, the derby match yeah. well interesting point you said he was a liability I'm just wondering if Sir Alex Ferguson you know, even the great ones make mistakes sometimes mm-hmm. because when I look at this I look at I kind of feel like he gave City a little bit too much respect because he knew that Jekyll wasn't going to start. Mm-hmm. I mean, that everybody knew that. Um, to go with Rooney up front on his own, yeah. you're at home to drop Berbatov, your leading scorer. That's a bit of a gamble, and I would argue is a gamble that didn't work out until Rooney, you know, pulled off that that incredible uh, overhead kick. Mm-hmm. And, and probably explains by, by which time Berbatov was on the pitch. But he'd been on the pitch a minute. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I, I mean, George, is, is this a uh, a case where, you know, hindsight being twenty twenty, we could say Sir Alex actually got this got this wrong. Well, did he? Uh, well, you know, Rooney, Rooney scored that goal and they won. So, um, you know, I'd, he didn't play well, it, 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 but he didn't play. He didn't play well, but then he did. You know, he did what he's paid to do. And no, no, um, United didn't play well. No, no. Well, no, they didn't. They didn't. And um, you know, as I say, you know, they, uh, you know, Berbatov was also sort of very heavily involved in in Rooney's Rooney's goal as well. And they, you know, they do look a better football team when he's when he's playing, or at least they do this season, certainly. Um, but you know, Ferguson sees Rooney in training every day. Uh, you know, he, he obviously sees ninety percent of him, on, you know, in a working week and decide and. Must be must be hoping that that's the that's the moment that sparks him you know sparks him off and gets him back to uh, to where he where he can be. But as you say, it's been a long time. It's been a long time coming. Penny, if you're Berbatov, mm. drop for the Arsenal game. Drop yep. for, for for this huge game. I mean, Berbatov d- divides opinion. I, I am not a Berba fan. I, I mm-hmm. don't think he's a particularly reliable or a pretty great player. But then, you know, I get people waving the statistics in in, in my face and so on and. I'm glad that Sir Alex kind of thinks along the same line as me. I was kind of comforted when I saw him on the bench. But <laughs> if you're Berbatov, you're in kind of an unusual situation, right? Because your, your contract yeah. is winding down. Yep. You make a huge amount of money. You cost a huge amount of money. Yep. Um, realistically, you know, do you, you wonder about about your future? Like, yeah. if you're not playing, I mean, when you, when you're not going to leave. But when you're over thirty, um, when you're a heavy lad as he is, so you're not going to go on till you're not going to go on that much longer. Um, I mean, what goes through his mind? I mean, America, Arab, you know, a big contract. Um, I, I would have thought, you know, that it, it, he's got to be um, a first pick uh, at this stage in his career, and that'll be how he'll be how he'll be thinking. I think he'll look to to move in the, in the summer. And I think he'd be but crazy. Where can he possibly to. move without taking a pay cut, or or moving someplace weird? Like it's difficult when you when you when you leave a, an English club. It's it's extremely difficult unless they're willing to um, to pay your wages, which obviously wouldn't be the the case in this in this instance. But I, I think Berbatov does have to, a decision to make this summer. Yeah, I think it's I think it's true. I think with the the the, the emergence of Chicharito, who's obviously going to be a very very good player indeed. Um, who's going to be a goal scorer plus, um, although mainly a goal scorer. He's going to be like a fit Michael Owen. He's going to score that many goals. Like a theoretical Michael Owen. He's going to be like Michael <laughs> Owen in theory, yes. Um, 
<laughs> a practical version, uh, a version that works, that has batteries, and um, he'll score as many goals for Mexico and Manchester United um, as Owen once did for uh, England and Liverpool. Maybe he'll win more with the national team level as well. I think he's a better um, player than Michael Owen. Yes, definitely. Well, Already. <laughs> one more word about... Uh, um, about City, um, Roberto Mancini came out afterwards and said that he thought that they played well and that they deserved more uh, out of this game. Of course, they were without uh, you know a guy like Nigel De Jong in midfield, who, who's very very important to them. Mm-hmm. Um, Allison, do you agree with the uh, very handsome and very talented? Bobby Mancini well as it's as it's Valentine's Day uh, I'll say yeah they did deserve more on a romantic level I mean they were quite attacking and they were bold and you always hope that if a side goes to Old Trafford and is brave that they might get something more because it puts everyone else off doesn't it and hands them the blooming title yeah, yeah. David Silva who was uh, arguably the best player on the field um, you know, missed the crucial chance of the yeah, game yeah. early on, where he could have put the stamp on it. City were wiping the floor with Manchester United in footballing terms, uh, and, and there's the best, you know, as I say, arguably the best technician on the field, the craftiest man on the field, makes himself a position uh, behind Evra, who was uh, very uh, vulnerable looking on uh, Saturday. I thought um, unusually so. And, and should have scored and, and that could have uh, they could have gone on from there to dominate the game uh, but they didn't however I still think this was Manchester City announcing themselves as a permanent presence in the top four I, th- I think there was, it, was, it was that good a performance on that bigger stage it was a nerveless performance a performance of a team that knew where they were going um, unfortunately they didn't get there Sunderland and, and Spurs. Now, um, quick quiz for you, George. How many points have Sunderland dropped after being in the lead this season? Well, it's twenty, and I tweeted this from the match on uh, uh, on the, from the match on, on Saturday, actually. Yeah, which is the highest. I knew that. That's why. That's why I was asking about. It. I thought it was you're a very, neat statistic. You're very, no, you're very naughty. You're yes. very naughty. Um, and it's that's the highest total in the Premier League this season, and it's. You know, ironically, or whatever, is it's the same total that Tottenham have uh, Tottenham have gained from a losing position. So you could guess it was fairly uh, fairly inevitable what happened there. Yeah, very. I mean, from their perspective, Sunderland's perspective, very very disappointing. Played very well in the first half again, but uh, dipped off fairly badly. And um, it's something that they need to uh, something they need to address. No, I, sorry, go ahead, Arsene. No, I was, I was just wondering whether or not, George, you think Bruce has given the team an excuse for that to happen because when it goes wrong, he says, well, they're young and this is what happens when you're immature. And I, I've, and he says, I've decided that's... I accept that's that's going to happen because I want a young team, so I accept they will yeah. sometimes lo- lo- not be able to hang on to a lead. So once you tell a team they've got an ex- inbuilt excuse because you're young, then you're not going to overcome that problem, yeah, are you? And- it doesn't. It doesn't. It doesn't actually work as an excuse anymore because if you look at if you look at uh, Saturday's team, um, you know now that now they've got a few injuries, obviously, and after the transfer window, they've got you know far more experience in there now. They've got Montari there. They've got Sessegnon there. Um, they're not. They're not as young as they were at the start of the season. Yeah, who's young on this team? 
I mean, apart from Henderson, I'm just looking at this. Bardsley was young when he was young, but that was probably three years ago. <laughs> well, we all were. We I mean, all were. Yes. Wellbeck. I mean, Wellbeck's quite young. Well, Wellbeck uh, well Wellbeck's injured. Cuttermole's injured. Um, you know, Fraser Cumble's injured. Darren Bent's left. Um, so and Darren Bent's that, 27. Like, I mean, you know, he's yeah. another one who was, was young for a long Cuttermole's time. Cuttermole's middle-aged. Yeah, but well. he's not there. But what we're saying, what we're trying to who's do is talking back about up your young. point that they're not an, they're not, uh, an exception exceptionally young team. Well, they ha- they've they've got ha- good, he has fielded the youngest team in the Premiership on several occasions this for, season. I think for the first, yeah, Alison's spot on. For the, I think for the first half of the season, they were the youngest average yeah. age team yeah. in the in the Premier League. Yeah. And um, but I I can't imagine that they are that they are anymore. And but then again, you know, it, it was it was one kind of one lapse in concentration, a, a fairly familiar one from for Titus Bramble. Yes, over and the if, years if you, cost them. I mean, what position are Sunderland in the league, George? They're seventh, and they've been sixth or seventh. How, do you, how do you spell Sunderland, is George? That, is and that, where is it exactly? Is, is that no, no? I'm I'm trying to make a point. Is that is that satisfactory or not? Oh, it's beyond satisfactory, yeah. Exactly, I mean, de- de- exactly. De- so why yeah. are we talking about it, this as if it's a problem? They're seventh in the league. They've got a young team. Ergo, they should tend to get better. I would have thought, never mind about, you know, when the goals come or what happens, or, uh, you know, what some mm. pattern we can discern. Let's just say Sunderland are doing well. Well, they are, they are doing well, but I think having been having been six for for such a long time, um, and you know, in the context of Villa, Liverpool, Everton having disappointing seasons uh, up to this point, I think they they thought they had a chance of of maybe finishing six, and I think that's the you know, so so yes, that's certainly certainly they've certainly overachieved in terms of where they set out from at the start of this season but they, they have got a chance or they did have a chance to, to finish higher and I think that's the sort of you know that's the disappointment I thought that, and, and I thought some of the football they played on, on the well certainly on the highlights obviously they would have picked the best of it but it looked quite good stuff um, they, yeah played really well first half mm. played really well and mm. in Sessegnon we thought you were talking about David Silva before they've got you know they've got another very um very small player, but can drift drift around about uh, uh, up front. Montari behind gives them will give them an extra dimension. Mm-hmm. Um, you know they just haven't got any options at all in attack or on the bench at the moment because um, of a, a injuries and b. Um, you know having 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 sold bent and they've got they've now got a very tough. Uh, very tough run of fixtures. They play Everton, they play Arsenal, Liverpool, Man City. So they really need to get that, get through that, and get some players back, and hopefully, sort of, um, you know, hopefully, kind of move forward before the end of the season. Um, George, just quickly on 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 Sessegnon and Montari. Um, when he signed them, did anybody ask Bruce about these players' personalities, and, and especially Sessegnon? Did that come up, or and, and about whether they thought that? You know, for, for for what seems to be a pretty close knit team, you know whether whether Sessegnon in particular might present an issue. Well, yeah, we've I mean, sort of in 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 passing asked asked about it. Obviously, Sessegnon virtually went on strike in France, I, I believe, before you know before coming over to England. So, um, uh, you know, that's that's something they'll they'll have to deal with. I mean, they have got a fairly they've a tight tight knit squad, but they've also got a few spiky key characters in there but you know the the good news from their perspective is that Sessegnon was was very very keen to come um, and obviously that you know that has to be harnessed in the right way and Montari has taken a 40% pay cut to come to Sunderland so that you know that says something about him and what and what he wants to do with a bit of luck are you sorry but uh, 
I, I, I'm showing my own ignorance here. He's on loan, isn't he? He is indeed. Yeah. So how he's on loan. He's, he's, he's on loan with a view to a permanent contra- uh, permanent transfer. Spurs. I mean, it's getting to the point now. It's like one of those, like you know, those those like sort of clown cars where all the car where, where, where all, the, all, all the clowns get out and like you know you wonder how they all fit in there. Van der Vaart, Gareth Bale, Modric, Huddleston, Yunus Kabul, uh, the skipper, uh, Ledley King, who of um, course, been and, and forever. Woodgate. Of uh, well, Woodgate. Now you're you're being funny, but um, <laughs> although I think he was warm, I think he warmed up, didn't he? On uh, the weekend, he was on the bench. Yeah. yeah. Um, I mean, boy, how do they just keep going when all the good players are out and they're replaced by? I guess marginally less good but still effective players well that's you've answered it haven't you they're still mm. very good players they're still very good players it's uh, I mean he, uh, Harry's it's a mark of Harry's management even at Portsmouth where he couldn't afford it he had plenty well, of well, good well, players sorry, sorry. Okay, okay. now I'm going to go and have a alright giggle did you say Harry couldn't afford it a lot can happen in the next three years like a chatbot maybe your new best friend but what won't change needing health insurance United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves. Feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. At Portsmouth? I said Portsmouth couldn't afford it. Oh, but Harry could afford it because Harry well, bought the, all these players and <laughs> very good players. Well, the club bought them, yeah, but yeah, Portsmouth okay. couldn't. They bought at Portsmouth, uh, uh, Harry made sure that Portsmouth had a lot of good players even though they couldn't afford gotcha. them. Gotcha. I'm with you on that one. Um, we, 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 we were just, just very briefly, we were talking about sort of character there earlier, but you know, one, one thing that Harry said on Saturday, you know, what's the, what's the secret of the success of this thing we're talking about, players coming in, performing really well, and he said, no toe rack. He said, "You know, there, there are plenty of great players in the, in the world who you wouldn't touch with a barge pole because they're toe rags. I don't have any toe rags mm. at Tottenham, and so it's you know it is that. And he, he mentioned people like Cranshaw. He mentioned um, you know people like Dawson who've had to fight to get into the team. When they're not in the team, they don't cause a fuss. They don't feign injury on a Friday. Say so they're saying they don't fancy travelling, um, and you know it's it's good players, but also decent characters too." Alison, when all these guys are fit, um, is chemistry going to be going to be a problem? I mean, getting them back into the lineup when all the when all the 
supposed good guys are, are fit. Well, that seems to be Harry's magic wand thing, doesn't it? He seems to be able to do it. I don't, I don't know quite how he does it because you, um, George, George says he says that he has no toe rags in his team, but you know he spent a whole season, it seemed to me, slagging off Pavlyuchenko um, for not trying hard enough in training, and yet every time he was forced to play him in a game, he looked absolutely world class and stunning. And 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 yet Pavlyuchenko did not go in the transfer window when you think he, he should have, and he stayed, and he's still putting in a shift for the team. I don't. I that is the magic of management. That is more important than that is more important than deciding whether you're going to play 4-4-2 or two holding players or not. It's being able. How he does it, he juggles it. Somehow he juggles it, and he's got lucky because Cranchar would have left Spurs if his wife hadn't been about to give birth, and he decided to stay put. So it's a mixture of of, of people being in the the right place at the wrong time for them, but right for Harry, I think. Okay, so last week we had an international break, and as always happened, you know, because it was mostly friendlies being played, everybody was like, why do we have to have these friendlies? And the clubs aren't happy, and people pull out. The under-21 game, I think, was a joke. I think England had about 90 people pulling out. It seemed like everybody except for Jack Rodwell, uh, uh, you know, pulled out of that match. But... This kind of got me thinking of, of an old plan, which I'd like to uh, um, submit for your assessment. Uh, it's the, Karl Heinz Rummenigge put it forward years ago. Uh, Adriano Galliani as well. Um, it does suit the clubs in some ways, but the idea would be this: basically, all the official, um, all, all the official international matches, so qualifying for the Euros and qualifying for the World Cup. You would play those. You would have an international season, as it were, and you would play those between, say, mid-May and the first week in July in odd-numbered years. So 2011, you would, in, in that space of six, seven weeks, you would play the, the qualifiers, or the bulk of the qualifiers anyway, uh, for next summer's European Championships and then 2013 for the World Cup uh, and so on. And you would get rid of virtually all the international dates during the season. Now, um, you could make up for that. You could either start the season later, or obviously, or you could have a, a, a winter break, or you know, you would have the, the games would be spread out so players wouldn't be as tired at the end of the at the end of the season. Um, the clubs would obviously adore that idea, but I think it has a lot of merit because, but because you would have those situations where a whole country would rally behind their national team you know, during the international season, the, maybe like the way it happens with the Six Nations mm-hmm. in, in rugby or indeed with, uh, uh, with the World Cup and European Championships um, themselves. It's genius. You have a World Cup every year, don't you? Basically. You basically have a tournament every summer. That's, the, that's what that's it is. basically the idea, yeah. Well, yeah. that's genius, isn't it? Because we all love we all love a tournament. Yep. We all hate friendlies. Yes, I, um, I, I had no idea. I've been advocating this a tournament uh, every uh, summer uh, throughout the world um, for a long, long time, and I had no idea until Alison said that um, that uh, I'd acquired a. Somebody who agreed with me. But, uh, <laughs> I, think, uh, I think Doug Ellis probably invented he, the idea yeah, like, before he Carl No, I think the the problem. I mean, it, it's a good it's a good idea. Um, it, it's a, sorry, it's an interesting idea. It's one that 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 needs to be thought about. But I think that the key change is to separate international and club football uh, in the same way as happens in cricket, uh, because until the players are employed directly employed by international football inc 
because it, it would have to be done partly centrally because of the huge disparity between the wealth of the of the respective nations. Um, uh, until the the, fo- the international footballers are employed by international football, uh, there will always be club v country uh, tension. Uh, and, as, and, and what I would like to see is this, and to pay for it, the abolition of the international friendly, virtually total, perhaps one a season, uh, in order to open a stadium or, or, or to permit uh, a, a country like England to play Brazil, which they obviously otherwise would not be able to do except in World Cups. So the, you're kind of penalizing I mean, countries like Brazil or Argentina. Yes. This is a huge source of income for them. And under the Barclay plan, yes. they would only get to play once a year in their friendly and the rest of the time would have to be you know, stuck playing Peru and Venezuela. Yes. Um, Colonialist? Uh, it, uh, I mean, tough. Uh, but the, the, the point is international football is dying on its feet. And it's dying on its feet mainly, not wholly, but mainly because because of friendlies. Uh, the, the clubs don't like it, the employers don't like it, and I'm increasingly driven to the thought that they're every right not to like it. Um, because the matches, the matches are increasingly um, fake. I mean, England's game against uh, Cop- uh, Denmark in Copenhagen was it was an exercise. Um, I mean, the players were acting basically. Uh, one or two were playing. Uh, what's his name? Milner, uh, Ericsson were playing, but most of the players were doing fake pressing. You know, running up to someone backing off that extra couple of yards early you know you've seen it in every testimonial match you've ever you've ever been to um, and you know it's, it's it may be it still pulls a crowd although it was noticeable that the crowd in Copenhagen was much much smaller than it had been um, five years earlier for the corresponding fixture but it isn't it just isn't football and eventually you know, people are going to twig. Um, so so you th- back the room in I, your I, I, I think I think it's a step in the right direction. But the main thing is for a World Cup every two years, a European Championship every two years, a Copa uh, America every two years, an African Nations Cup every two years, and a properly integrated car- um, calendar. And what's more, the, there would also be pre-qualifying. I mean, I don't want to bore people with the detail of this, but, but during the World Cup, the countries... Uh, the, the, during the international tournaments, the countries that didn't qualify England, would, be, would be playing. Well, it might be England. It might be. It might be Montenegro. But they would be playing pre-qualifying, right, for the next round of qualifying matches. So it, it it it's certainly a move in the right direction. But the main thing is to make international football more lucrative by abolishing friendlies. And to separate it completely from club football. I don't I, honestly, Paddy. I, I like everything you're saying. It's, I don't. I don't get the equation. Make it more lucrative by abolishing friendlies because friendlies exist a lot of the time to make, generate income. So I, you'd be losing yes, but money. They, they, they generate a diminishing amount of income. England um, don't pack Wembley anymore, and the only reason they get anywhere near it is by offering. I mean, a lot of kids. The, 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 the increasingly shrill voices you hear at Wembley are paying five pounds or less. But under the Rummenigge plan, the, those but games at Wembley would matter, wouldn't they, George? And and you could, you could yeah, have a whole international but season. It's all of that is a self-fulfilling prophecy because as friendlies become more and more meaningless, so you know, so they're less worth watching, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. I mean, no, I think that some. Of, I mean, something, you know, something must be done in capital letters. How many times have we heard that about about England and and international football and friendlies? Um, but you know, something. 
I'm, you know, I do remember growing up, and and those those friendly games were, you know, were vitally important. The caps were great. Everyone, you know, everyone wanted to play. Maybe I'm over romanticising a little bit, but it's that certainly how it how it feels a couple of decades down the down the line. Mm. What I mean, what about what about keeping all this, keeping all the international dates? Um, I mean, this this obviously won't happen, but just as a just as an idea, keeping all the international dates before every qualifying match for whichever tournament, you have a friendly in the preceding week. So an international break goes from one week to two weeks, say, or 10 days. And the friendly that comes first becomes important because it's the chance for the manager to pick his either his strongest team or to experiment in a meaningful way. It, um, well, sorry, George, and, but if, and, if you and, do that, and, what do you do with the Premier League or what do you do with, with, with the league fixture? Or do you plan well, we on playing here? Well, we still have those. We still have those dates now, don't we? We still have friendly, friendly dates, and we still have qualifying dates. I'm just saying, you put those two things together. So the break in between the the domestic league is is slightly is slightly longer. And oh, the, I and, see. And, so. and, and, and when the manager when the manager picks a squad, that squad is the same for both both right. games. So if, if sorry, George, can, can, can I just, can I just, yeah. just sum, sum up what you're saying? Because I, I wasn't sure I get it. I just want to make sure I understand it. So basically, what you're saying is we would basically we would effectively if if there's 10 breaks during the year and maybe six of them are for uh, are for qualifiers and four of them are for friendlies you yep. would you would combine them in such a way so we would basically only have maybe f- five breaks uh, uh, during the year but they would be longer breaks and there would always yep. be a friendly followed then by the, by the qualifying games or whatever yeah. official matches there are and I know I, I know there were double headers now so so there would maybe have to be three Trouble. games I mean I don't know I'm, this is just completely off the off the top of my head but it, there's a way of making that friendly an important game because it's it's the warm up game before the friendly so mm-hmm. if the man if the manager selects a squad, it's a squad that covers both games. If someone withdraws from that squad, they're withdrawing from the qualifying game, from the well, qualifying game as well. All that would mean, all, all, all that would, well, all that would mean is that you'd have players withdrawing from in, uh, competitive games as well. You I know mean, what? It's, sorry, about this withdrawal thing, it's interesting because I, I, the reason I, I come into this, um, you know, we, we're all sort of, we talk, inevitably, we're in England, we talk about England and we, we think of the Premier League and mm, so on. Mm, mm. Um, but in and, and and we look at it from the perspective of big countries with with big leagues who do mm. well internationally. But there's also reality that I, I mean I was talking to a, a current Polish international last week here in Yellen mm. and he's like, you know what? Screw this! Like yeah. every opportunity to go back with my national team, I will take it. Mm-hmm. And I think a lot of people, especially people who don't play. You know, maybe it's a bit different for England internationals or, or German internationals or whatever else. Mm. But people who are from second-tier countries, yes, I mean, they absolutely love this. I know the Brazilians and the Argentines, they would swim across yes. to be able to get away from, you know, whatever godforsaken, you know, European hellhole they're in. And I don't care if it's Real Madrid or Barcelona. They will. They, you know, Messi always goes home, and they don't withdraw. Yeah, that's true. They from do, the national they team, they do. Enjoy, they, you're quite right. I mean, Swedes, for example, uh, absolutely love being with each other, um, and in fact, this, this is a, a large part of the uh, uh, of the explanation of, of why England have all, are always, you know, underachieved. They don't actually like each other very much. Really. Hmm. I like I like George I like George I like your plan except that even if your plan came true 
Capello would still pick Frank Lampard and not Scott Parker well, if Scott was... Parker played really well in the friendly <laughs> preceding the, 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 the competitive game. Time now for some quick hits. Arsenal roll over Wolves 2-0 and uh, they look like the only side standing between United and the 19th league title. Yes, Alison, I know that hurts. 19th league title. Um, they have a pretty big Champions League coming up uh, uh, this week against Barcelona. Uh, Paddy, what do you expect from the game? Well, uh, I expect to be a privilege to be there. I think it's, uh, I mean, any chance to watch Barcelona is just mind-blowing. Any time chance to watch Arsenal is fairly mind-blowing to me. Um, so, you know, obviously a lot of good passing. But I, th- I do expect Arsenal to defend very, very deep, uh, to try to do what they tried to do in the last game, uh, which they drew to all... You may finish. Uh, and that is to, to play very, very deep in their own half and, and keep possession for as long as possible. I think playing deep for Arsenal would actually be a bit of a mistake, as you can read in my fine column. It's, a, ver- it's a very fine column. Exactly. Thank you. Uh, Blackburn hold Newcastle to a scoreless draw, but then, as Pardew said, uh, there was enough excitement last week. George, is it just a case of accepting that with Leon Best, Shevki Kuchi, and Nile Ranger up front, you're only going to get so far? And should Newcastle just start thinking about next season? Uh, well, to take the second point first, no, that would be a, that would be a bit of a mistake. Thirty-two points, they should be fine, but they're only five points off the relegation zone. Yes, they'll only get so far with those players. Yes, they should start thinking about next season. Also, they've got thirty million quid in the bank as we speak, and they need to spend it wisely. And of course, uh, Ashley uh, promised that every single one of those pounds will go towards strengthening the squad. And, and they are actually in their bank. They got thirty million quid down payment from. Liverpool, which is fairly extraordinary. After four straight wins, Liverpool dropped two points at home against Wigan. Alison, you're not worried, are you? And what do you make of Luis Suarez? Um, I think Suarez has, has actually started better than I anticipated. I mean, it, it can be all too easy in Holland, and uh, I think it looks like he's adapted really quickly, so I'm very pleased with him. And no, I'm not worried. Sometimes you get a game where you play well, the opposition lift their game, and you don't quite get the win you, you need. We'll, we'll strive on. Liverpool will strive on and get into the Champions League places. And Suarez, of course, hasn't bitten anybody yet. Gab, one for you now. Ronaldo more or less announces his retirement the Ronaldo the one before Cristiano was invented the one who top scored at a World Cup in 2002 and was undoubtedly a great player Um, it looks like he's going to pack it in in Brazil assessment please um, I, you know, I, I think we're, we're forever going to you're going to debate whether what matters more longevity or, or brilliance over a short period of time. And uh, uh, for me, Cristiano, uh, for me, Ronaldo, uh, uh, for, for, for the, the period of time when he was great was unlike anything else. Uh, and I'm talking about uh, PSV Eindhoven, uh, Barcelona, and the first year at Inter. Uh, the day he came back after uh, after being injured and re-injured himself was one of the the, the saddest days uh, I, I can remember. Uh, you know, in, in a sporting sense. Um, fact of the matter is, uh, he was part of the squad that won the World Cup in '94. Uh, he won the World Cup in uh, in 2002. And I think uh, French fans, now that the uh, statute of limitations is over, you all know that if he'd been fitting right in the head in 1998, there's a good chance he would have won that one too. Uh, a true gem, and well, he'll be missed. 
Now, as you all know, of course, the Times has a, a Facebook page with a special section devoted uh, exclusively to the game, and uh, our producer Chris is uh, is on there a lot, and uh, you can you can ask us questions, uh, and uh, that's what Julian Barr did this week. Um, Allison, this question's for you. After seeing more awful performance from Howard Webb this weekend and earlier this season, coupled with what he did in the World Cup, uh, culminating in that awful final where he really blew it, is this going to affect the rest of his career and the way he's going to be viewed? Well, I think Julian's being deliberately controversial. Um, how, there was nothing wrong with Howard Webb's refereeing performance this weekend. Even Gerard Houllier agreed with the red card. Uh, you know, two-footed challenges, you get sent off. I think Julian uh, might be a Villa fan. Well, his own manager agrees. But um, I think the bigger point that Julian might be making is that um, what tends to happen is a referee has his crowning moment uh, in Howard Webb's case because of a combination of factors England not getting to the final included he he has the highest accolade he referees a World Cup final and through no fault of his own it's a very poor final with a lot of discipline issues and he is under huge pressure to not allow this spectacle to degenerate into a 9 versus 10 sort of debacle he does his very best um, and, uh, and and a lot of people have come out of that thinking that Howard Red now has a reputation for someone who bottles it who isn't quite the referee we all thought he was so there are two things going on here one is that Howard Webb has reached the peak of his career because he's not going to referee another World Cup final and so every time he steps out onto the field of play he's sort of I think in some people's eyes seen as a referee who's on the downward curve and that's unfair he's still a very authoritative uh, highly respected amongst the players and his peers um, he's, he remains a good referee and the World Cup final was not a debacle from his point of view that's all we've got time for today, but you can go to www.thetimes.co.uk. You'll find all your news, your gossip, your analysis, and also our web chats. Mine is on Mondays, and this week, uh, unusually, uh, Patty Barkley and Ollie Kay will be doing some swapping round. Uh, Will you, Patty? It's to make it more exciting. I'm going to Wednesday for this one week only, and Ollie... We'll be there on Tuesday. It's the kind of thing we all need to do to spice up our web chatting lives. And of course, because today's Valentine's Day, I need to take this opportunity to wish everybody named Valentino a wonderful, wonderful Valentine's Day. Starting with you, Valentino Rossi, whose autobiography I once translated years ago. Join us next week. Till then, take care. Goodbye. This is Craig Robinson from Ways to Win. And support for this podcast comes from Invesco QQQ, the official ETF of the NCAA. Invesco QQQ is proud to sponsor this episode and even prouder to provide access to innovation for the last 25 years. Basketball has had innovations over the years, too. We're seeing the game played in new ways every day. Learn more at Invesco.com slash QQQ. Let's rethink possibility. Invesco Distributors, Inc.